Well, I'm so glad you've come today. It's a good day. This is Easter Sunday. It is a fabulous day to be in church. So thrilled that you've chosen to join us. Our scripture reading this morning is Romans chapter 6, verses 5 through 11. Would you follow along as I read? Our text this morning says this, For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. We know that our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. And if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also will live with Him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over Him. For the death He died, He died to sin once for all. But the life He lives, He lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, this is a fabulous day, a day that we are able to celebrate your resurrection from the dead. And you have us all here for a reason today. There is no accident, there is no coincidence, there is no reason for us to be here today other than your providential design. And so we're here and we want to hear from you And so we pray that you, Holy Spirit, now would speak through your word and help us to hear what it is that you're saying in this moment. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I was talking recently with a man in our church, and he called himself a new Christian. And I put that in quotes because um, that's what he had kind of called himself but he wasn't quite sure exactly how to describe what happened to him. And so that got my interest. He was in my office, and I said, so, so tell me the story of, of how you became a Christian. He said, oh, yeah, it was unbelievable. You see, I'd gone to church all my life, was raised in kind of a religious home, but, you know, as I got into adulthood, I really strayed. And he said, frankly, Mark, I, I, ma- I really made some bad decisions. And eventually the consequences of his life kind of caught up with him. And the effect of that was he was a broken man, and he happened to come to church one Sunday and felt God begin to speak to him, and that led to a conversation with one of our pastors in his office. And as he described to me what happened, he said this, I I remember hearing the message of the Bible, and I remember opening my heart to Christ, and then when I prayed to receive Christ, something, and this is where he didn't have words, he said something happened and he did this he was like he was pulling something down from the ceiling he said something like came and i was changed you know he's describing he's describing the moment the moment when the resurrected power of christ comes not just in a theoretical way not just in a spiritual but in a personal way He's not the only one to ever have this experience, and nor, nor is it just related to our present day and age. Blaise Pascal, the French mathematical genius, he, he ran from God till he was about 31 years old, and his moment came on November 23rd, 1654. 
It was so dramatic in his life that he actually wrote some words to describe what was going on in his soul in that moment, and he had it sewed inside of his jacket, and after his death, eight years later, it was discovered. In the moment when Blaise Pascal met Christ, here's what was sewn inside of his jacket. Year of Grace, 1654, Monday, 23rd November, Feast of St. Clement. From about half past ten at night to about half past an hour after midnight, fire. God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, not of philosophers and scholars, certitude, heartfelt joy, peace, God of Jesus Christ, God of Jesus Christ, my God and your God, joy, 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 tears of joy. What is Blaise Pascal describing in 1654? What is my friend describing in my office? They're both describing the exact same reality. It is the moment when the resurrected power of Christ comes upon somebody and they see and believe and they are changed. This morning, Romans chapter 6 helps us to understand this moment helps us to understand the reality of what it is that God does in that instant. And for that matter, this text begs all of us to ask this question. So what's your moment? Romans chapter 6, verses 9 to 11 put it this way. Paul says, We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Friends, this text tells us of the meaning and the significance of Easter Sunday. And you need to know that what we're celebrating here today is not just about Jesus, or certainly is about his resurrection, but there are implications, sweeping implications. And hear me, there are personal implications of this day as it relates to what it means for you to experience the moment. So what I want to do today is help you understand three realities that are found in the resurrection. Three realities that we see in the scriptures so that you might understand how Easter Sunday, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and this whole idea of the moment intersect. So there's, there's three realities. Here's the first one. The first one is this, is that we live in a broken world. The whole reason why Paul is writing Romans chapter 6 is because there is this sense that people are charging this preacher of the gospel with excess. They're saying, Paul, you preach this gospel, but the reality is if people's sins are forgiven, then they can just do whatever they want, and who cares if they even obey? And to that, Paul says this in the first uh, verse of Romans 6. What shall we say then? Are we to continue to sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin live in it? And so what Paul is talking about is there's no way that a person who has experienced the grace of Christ that they're going to want to continue to live in sin just so that they can receive more and more grace. That doesn't even make sense is what Paul is saying in Romans chapter 6. And that's the point to what he is writing about and talking about in this chapter. But underneath that issue is another issue. Underneath that issue is another issue, and it is the, the problem of what is wrong with the world And the Bible tells us that the problem with the world, the problem with me, the problem with you, is the issue of sin. 
The Bible tells us that the ultimate problem in the world is our rebellion against God. And because of our rebellion against God, the whole world has become broken. That's why we do the things that are wrong. It's why we say things that hurt people. It's why we sin even though we know we shouldn't. And yet at the same time, this problem of sin is also why we celebrate Easter. Now, I'm sure that you know that we live in a broken world. I don't have to convince you of that. The crazy thing is, is that the world, in some respects, is beautiful, and yet it's also broken. In one moment, you could be basking in the beauty of a a beautiful world, and then the next moment, realize, man, this world is really messed up. I mean, for instance, wasn't yesterday just a beautiful day from a weather standpoint? But wasn't it just a couple days ago that it was snowing in March, right? Something's fundamentally wrong with the world when it snows in March, right? I mean, if you live in Minnesota, that fits. But Indiana, no, I'm sorry. I left Michigan so that it wouldn't snow in March, and here we are. Something's broken with the world, right? That's kind of a silly thing, but let me make it more personal or practical. Personal conflict, marriages that fall apart, promises that are broken, tragic accidents that happen. We hurt one another, and if we're honest, sometimes on purpose. And then... The ultimate expression of what's wrong with the world, people die. And there's just something fundamentally wrong about people dying. Something that is outrageous where we would say, you know what, it just shouldn't be this way. The Bible tells us that the problem of sin is enormous and its consequences are sweeping. The Bible tells us that sin entered the world to the disobedience of one man, Adam. And as a result, the whole world fell into sin. Sin contaminated everything. The Bible tells us that as a result of sin, death came into the world. Death is directly connected to sin. The Bible also tells us in Romans 3.23 that we have all sinned and we've become guilty. It means that every single one of us have violated God's law. And you may not be as the biggest, uh, the biggest sinner in all the world, but you're the biggest sinner that you know real well. Because you know what you've done. And the Bible tells us that we all stand before God guilty. The Bible also tells us that God's law serves to show us our sin more clearly. I mean, have you ever seen a sign like at a store that says, do not touch wet paint, and you just, there's something about you. You never thought of touching the pole until you saw the sign, right? In my last church, we had this, 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 I call her the sign lady, and she would put, you know, food in the kitchen, and then she'd put these big signs, do not eat, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. You know, and as a pastor of this church, and I walked by, and I'd be like, that lady and those signs. And I just wanted to go eat her food just to tell her, back off on your signs, you know. <laughs> tell me what to do and not, so you see the sign, and it makes you want to go, where, go there. What is that? You know what that is? It's the presence of a broken world. The presence of sin in the world also demands God's judgment. Friends, I, I know you know this, but I just want to remind you, we, we live in a really broken world. You know, somewhere around junior high school, I, I just came to really understand this. came to understand that you know, people can be really mean. In junior high, I, I kind of had a rough scenario going. I was one of the shorter guys in my class. Just don't tease anybody because growth spurts happen, just so you know. I had headgear going, you know, like this this facial thing and knobby knees. And um, later on, almost close to high school, I had a bad perm that just went south. It was just really, it was a, it's a bad scenario, I'm telling you. And I, I'll tell you what, junior high, I, heard, I understood that people could be cruel, they could be mean, they could 
be your friend one moment, then stab you in the back the next. They could say cruel things. And I just longed for the day when I could be out of junior high school and then everybody would be mature when I went to high school. And that didn't work out so well. Then I thought, you know, if I just get to college, then everybody will act mature and this junior high stuff won't happen anymore. And guess what? Same issues. And then I thought, well, if I just get to be an adult, I mean, adults don't act like this. <laughs> and you know what I found out? You scratch an adult, you'll find a junior higher, right? <laughs> the fact of the matter is, friends, we live in a broken world. Tragedies happen. Injustices take place. Poverty. Wars and hundreds of other issues just constantly tell us that while we live in a beautiful world and there's lots of really good things about it, at the end of the day, it's broken. We're natural born sinners. And you know what the greatest reminder, the most tragic reminder of all of this brokenness is? It is death. And granted, it's appropriate to remember a person's life at a funeral. It's appropriate to have flowers. It's appropriate to sing and try and make the best of that moment. But you know what? Every funeral that I've gone to, and I've been to a lot of them, it's just a reminder that there's something fundamentally wrong with the world. A funeral reminds you, you know what? This is not the way it's supposed to be. You're not supposed to love somebody and then lose them. And it makes you crave for something beyond a broken world. And you know what the beautiful thing is? The Bible diagnoses that problem and then it tells us what the solution is. So the problem is a broken world. Secondly, the other reality related to resurrection is the matter of union with Christ. So the resurrection points to this beautiful solution to the brokenness of the world and for that matter, to the brokenness that's within all of us. So if you're here today on Easter and, and, and your life is just broken, maybe you would say, Mark, I've, I made a train wreck of my life. i got great news for you. There is hope for you in a union with Jesus Christ. And I hope and pray that today might be your moment. The, the event that we celebrate this weekend is a powerful statement about Jesus' ability to change what is wrong with the world or to make it even more po- personal. It is a statement about Jesus' ability to change what is broken within each one of us. That brokenness within us has caused a separation between us and our Creator. And the message of the Bible is that Jesus, God's Son, comes to earth. Think Christmas. He lives a sinless life. He perfectly obeys the law. Therefore, doesn't deserve the punishment of the cross. And yet Jesus willingly goes to the cross in order to provide a sacrifice so that it could then be applied to sinful human beings. Jesus makes it possible for broken people to be united with their Creator. God takes Jesus' death and applies it to those who receive him. This is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake he, this is God, made him Jesus to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 
So becoming a Christian means that a person comes to a point in his or her life where they realize what Jesus has done, they believe in Him and receive Christ as their Lord and Savior, and at that moment, something supernatural happens. John says this, But to all who received Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become the children of God. It is that God welcomes them into a new spiritual union with Himself. How does that relate to Easter? Easter relates to all of this in that Jesus' death was the sacrifice, but his resurrection was the validation that the sacrifice worked. Death is connected to sin, and if sin has been atoned for, then death has been defeated. The empty tomb declares that sin has been conquered because death no longer holds him. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 15. I love this. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So what happens here is that Jesus' death provides the payment for our sin and the resurrection of Jesus Christ proves that death has been defeated. That is why this day is so incredibly important. Now, for those who put their faith in Jesus, they enter into a spiritual union with Him. They share in what Jesus did. So when a person receives by faith Jesus as their Lord and Savior, God unites them to Christ. And in effect, when Christ died, they died. And when Christ is raised, they are raised. And this is exactly what Paul says in Romans chapter 6. He says this, For if we have been united with Him in a death like His... There's a spiritual union. We shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. So this day is all about a union, a union between us and Christ, a supernatural union. There are other kinds of unions. For instance, this this summer will be my 20th anniversary. It's hard to believe I'm that old. My kids said, hey, Dad, you know, this summer we're going to be 17. And I was like, oh, how did that happen? Well, just, you know, one more year. And I know how it happens, but how did that happen? You know what I mean? 20 years. And I remember when, when I pledged my vows to Sarah, and, and we were there doing our wedding vows, and she nailed it, and I was a blubbery, snotty mess. I mean, our video was awful. I'm there, <laughs> I didn't bring a Kleenex. I mean, wiping my nose. It was awful, right? It's just terrible. But I was emotional. So anyway, so, and in that union... I pledged my vows to her, and we walked out the exact same people, the same DNA, same personalities. But you know what? Something fundamentally changed forever. There was a spiritual union, a supernatural union, that now became a part of our life. And the effect of that is it changed everything. It changed how I view my life. It changed how I I view my plans. It changed how I view my checkbook. I'm not saying nothing. I'm just saying it. it just changed how I viewed my checkbook. It changed how I viewed my career. It changed everything, right? And you know that the Bible, when it talks about our relationship with Christ, do you know that it describes that union like a marriage? There's something supernatural that happens. You're the same person. You look the same. But the reality is something has fundamentally changed. 
Putting your faith in Christ unites you to Jesus. And while you are fundamentally the same person, something inside of you radically is altered. So Easter is connected to all of this because it celebrates Jesus' victory over death. And that victory over death makes union with him possible. So the reason we are celebrating the resurrection today is not just because it's on the church calendar and not just because it's a fact in the Bible, but the reason we celebrate this spiritual reality today is because it creates a union that sets us free from what is broken within us our world is broken and god's remedy is a spiritual union with jesus christ now what does that bring here's the third reality and it's this if you get this and in the moment it happens There is a joyful freedom that comes. That is why you can't help but sing on Easter Sunday. The third and final reality found throughout Romans 6 is that there is a joyful freedom. You see, the death of Jesus and your receiving of Christ doesn't create a theoretical union. Doesn't create a, just a spiritual union. Listen to me. It creates a practical union that results in freedom. So that means if you've, if you've been a follower of Jesus for, I mean, a long, long time, this may be your 100th Easter service. That can't be your 100th Easter service. What am I talking about? Maybe it's your 45th Easter service. How about that? The fact of the matter is, if you've known Jesus for a long time, do you realize that this day means that you're free? It means that Jesus set you free from those things that are still temptations to you? It means that he's given you a new power to obey him. This spiritual freedom in Christ means that in the moment when Christ comes, everything about you changes, and then for the rest of your life you're trying to figure that out. So I want you leaving today, if you're a follower of Jesus, walking out of here today going, you know what, I can be a godly, righteous person, and I need to be, because that's the reason why Jesus was resurrected from the dead. But it also means this, that if you're still trying to figure out this thing called Christianity, or just kind of what's going on in terms of your spirituality, it means this, that receiving Christ as your Savior isn't just about your eternal destiny, friend. It's about you being free now. It's about a new power within you. It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. None of us are. We're all still in process. Yesterday I was working with my kids, and you know, beautiful day, I had a long punch list, and I've known the Lord for a long time, but you know what I found? My expectations of what I'm going to get done in a day and my kids' expectations of what we're actually going to do, that tends to create sin in my life, right? (laughs) And so we had a little family meeting before we launched off into our, and I distributed my list of all what they were going to do. They looked at the list, and then I said, look, could we just have something today? Can you just help me not to be sinful today? And and here's here's what that looks like. That looks like you doing exactly what I'm asking you to do, doing it it quickly and, and taking breaks less. Than, than more, okay? And, 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 and we had a great day yesterday. So why do I do all of that? Because at the end of the day, I'm still not perfect. And if I'm not careful, my list compared with their list, that gap, that could create some bad stuff in my soul. And so it doesn't mean that you're absolutely perfect, but it does mean that fundamentally something is altered within you. Look what Paul says in Romans 6 and verse 6. He says, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. That isn't just something in the future. That means now. That means right now. But you can be set free from the things that bind you. The chains can fall off if the resurrected power of Christ comes. 
It is that the Bible tells us that those who have died have been set free from sin. That's not just theoretical. That means now. The Bible tells us that this resurrected power of Christ is designed to work. The last three verses are incredible. Look at what Paul says. Now, if we have died with Christ, there's that union, we believe that we also will live with Him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over Him. For the death He died, He died to sin once for all. But the life He lives, He lives to God. There is a union that comes and a freedom that is produced. And then verse 11 just brings it all home. It's the reason why I chose this text. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Listen to me. The hope of this day is that you hear the beautiful reality of Easter and then you leave this place today having received Christ, believing that this is true about me and therefore I can live a life, God helping me, that is different than what it would have looked like without Him. The word consider It means to keep a record, a legal, in a legal or a financial sense. It it means that, that you appropriate what the Bible says as being true about you, and you live in light of what the Bible says. And and here's just a few of the things that the Bible says about those who are united with Christ. The Bible tells us that God has forgiven you of all of your sin, and He declares you to be righteous when you're united with Christ. When you're united with Christ, the Bible tells us that God gives you a new heart with new desires and new affections and new passions. He gives you new longings that you would have never had. He changes your appetites and you can't change that on your own. The Holy Spirit comes and dwells within you. He resides inside of you. He brings conviction. He brings clarity. He helps you to understand how you ought to live. The Bible tells us that now temptations, which used to be impossible for you to resist, are now able to be defeated in a way that was never possible before and such that you know that what is going on inside of you is not of your own doing. It is a power from another realm. And finally, you have a new desire for obedience. What before used to turn you off now is something that you are just like, this is what I want to do with my life. Friends, this is what it means to consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God. It it means that in the moment when you receive Christ, everything changes. It, It means that God penetrates the brokenness that is within you and it's finally fixed. And there's some of you, my my plea today would be this, you have been running way too long and you're here today because God wants to fix what's broken in you and you can't fix it on your own. It means that being united with Christ, that there'll be a power within you like you've never had before, but the first step is acknowledging, I can't do this on my own anymore. The moment of receiving Christ, changes the trajectory of your life. It changes your ability to live in a broken world. It won't mean that your life's all now going to be easy. It won't mean that everything's going to go smoothly. But it will mean this, that God has set His seal on you and your life is headed in a new direction. See, the reason that Easter is so important and the reason why this church exists, the reason why I'm here today, is because we want to point you to Jesus. And you know why? Because He's the only one that can really fix the brokenness that's within you. 
Receiving Christ, when you, when you enter into that spiritual union with Him, it changes everything. And from that fundamental change comes a freedom that fills your heart with joy. And what I long for every one on this Easter Sunday, what I long for you is to be able to understand and embrace the liberating truth that Jesus died for sinners. And that this Resurrection Sunday could not just be about Him. It actually could be about your moment. I long for you to have the kind of story that my friend had where he was grabbing a hold of the ceiling and just saying, I don't know what happened, but I opened my heart to Christ. And it's like something, something came, something came down. I long for you to be able to experience the beauty of what it means for you to be forgiven. I long for you to be, have, a, have a story like Blaise Pascal and, and maybe you'd write down something like this. March 31st, 2013, Easter Sunday, fire, power, freedom, met Jesus, became a Christian. I long for that to be the story of your life. I long for you to be able to say on this Easter Sunday, today, today was my moment. When I saw and I believed and Jesus fixed the brokenness of my sin, I long for this to be your moment. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you know our hearts. There's no hiding from you. You you know the condition of every person in this room You know the condition of every person who will hear this message and you see from heaven where we are. And I pray that you, by your Spirit, would draw people to yourself, that there would be men and women who today would be the day that becomes the moment when they say, God, I'm done with me. I need you, Jesus. I repent of my sins. I am coming. I'm going to trust in you. And so, Lord Jesus, help us to live in the beautiful reality of that resurrection power and help those today who've never experienced that kind of moment that today might be the day where they move from darkness to light, from death to life, from guilt to forgiveness. Oh, Lord, let today be that moment. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name, amen.